Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt and tied by the door outside the street and they loosed it. Some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing losing the coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And you know, as we have said, as we've looked at this scripture before, the Jews had this concept that the Messiah was coming to deliver them from their Roman oppressors. And you know, for many years, they were a captive people. Before the Romans were the Greeks, the Medes and Persians, before them, we go right back to Babylon and the Assyrians. So they'd been captive, as it were, in this land and oppressed by their enemies. And so it was their prayer that the Lord would come, that the Messiah would come and deliver them from their natural or physical enemies. They thought that this Messiah was going to come and lead them in a mighty revolt against their enemies as their deliverer. The people were expecting the Messiah to come and to right away establish his earthly kingdom. They cried, the kingdom of our father, David. They, they quoted from Psalm 118, 25, 26. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. So this psalm, we are told, was chanted at the Passover celebrations every year. Now Matthew goes on to tell us uh, when they arrived and when Jesus began to share with the people, Matthew informs us, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yeah, have you ever read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings that was perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. So we see that Jesus was not going to meet the people's expectations when they cried, Hosanna to the son of David. This cry was an appeal, as it were, to a king for help. It was, a, it was a, an appeal for, to redress grievances. And that's why they used the word Hosanna. Now the Hebrew word Hosanna, it means save now or save we beseech thee, redress our grievances and give us help from oppression. So note that they were saying this and, and this was an acknowledgement that a, a conquering king was coming into the city and they were calling on him and his army to deliver them. 
They also put palm branches down, and this was also emblematic of a victory. Uh, you know, if their armies had have went out and fought, coming back into the village, into the towns, palm trees would have been laid down before them as an emblem of great victory and success. And then we go to our reading from a table this morning. And after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Again, declaring the greatest, as we said earlier on, victory of all. So their cry was, son of David. This was a well-known phrase which was, would have been identified or applied to the Messiah. He was coming in the name, the name which is above every name, the authority which is above every authority. And so the actions and the words of the crowd prove that they acknowledged Christ as their king, but they looked to him for deliverance. And you know, when you think of it, how easy it would have been for Jesus just there to establish his kingdom. The people had been waiting for hundreds of years for this Messiah to come. It would have, news would have spread all around the place when they seen the wonderful things that he did. And the crowds were gathering around him, laying the palm leaves, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. It would have been so easy for him had he been inclined to establish his kingdom then and there. But you know something? Jesus did not fulfill the desires of those who claimed him then as their kings. We know, as we say in Northern Ireland, he rattled the cages of the religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. And so from welcoming Jesus as king, their fickleness began to lead them to ridicule and to lead them to reject him. They all turned when they began to realize this is not a military conqueror that has arrived. Probably even denied the fact then that he was the Messiah. They ignored their short-sightedness and their ignorance of the scriptures. You go to Zechariah 9, 9 to 11, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foil of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the house from horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy, set forth thy prisoners out of the pit, wherein is no water. And as we see there what they were saying, the king is coming unto thee, he is just and having salvation. This was a prophecy concerning his arrival. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen, his dominion shall be even from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so the expectation and not fully understanding what God the prophet said was this was what they thought would happen when their Messiah arrived. And this was the joy and the jubilation that they were having, hearing others cry and coming to see this great Messiah. But what the people missed back then was that he came for a different reason. He didn't come to win a military victory. He came to redeem them from their sins. Excuse me. Amen. <clears throat> he came to redeem them from their sins. This is what they missed. 
You know, he came to pay the price as a substitute on the cross, the spotless lamb of God, God incarnate in flesh. And he met man's greatest need that day. And man's greatest need that day and man's greatest need today is salvation. We all want different things, as we'll see in a moment. But what God came into our lives to do was to take away our sin. And today people heal Jesus when he comes into their lives. They sing praises unto him. We even some songs where we use the word Hosanna to the highest. That word Hosanna is not uh, commonly a, a word used to praise someone. It's a cry. It's a plead for help. And so what they were doing and as much that they were laying leaves before him, it wasn't as much that they were saying praise God and worship God. They were saying redeem us. Redress the, the grievances, all these people and the wickedness that they have done unto to us, redress it, bring it down on them. And this is what they were singing. But he came to redeem them. They, can, they did sing praise and worship to him, but their expectation was different. And people's expectation of the Christian life today is not what Jesus came to do. They perceive different things. They have this belief that whenever they... Jesus comes into their lives, but whatever is happening to them will magically disappear. It will go away. Their loved one that is ill will get better. Their jobs will be secured. Their relationship with their spouse will suddenly improve. Their banks and their creditors will ring them up in the morning and tell them they don't owe the banks any more money. Their children will start to behave and no longer bring trouble to the home. You see, when people come to the Lord, and we've seen it here, and I've seen it in my ministry, they come looking for something else. And it's good that they come to the Lord. But what the Lord came to do was to take away their sins. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added on you. And I think we, the church, need to start telling people that, yes, Jesus can help. Yes, Jesus can deliver. Yes, Jesus can sustain. But first, you've got to get rid of the sin problem in your life. And when you come to Jesus and repent, he will take away that sin. They come wanting the Lord to solve their problems. I do know of one lady we came to our church. She had been coming for a few weeks and there'd been prayer every week and she was standing at the front and her, her dad was really ill. And I remember praying with her and telling her, we'll just trust the Lord. And I think the, the, the gentleman was saved. So we tried to assure her, no matter what tomorrow brings, your dad's in the hands of the Lord. Her dad died and she left church and he went to visit her and she wasn't going to come back to church because Jesus let her daddy die. You know, this is some of the thoughts that people have out there. And no matter what I said, it wasn't going to change her mind. But I told her the door here is always open. When people come to the Lord, they want the Lord to solve everything before they get their, their lives sorted out concerning their sins. They hope that you have what they believe is the answer to solve their cares and woes. They want to pass on their troubles and let Jesus take them away. And Jesus did say in Matthew 11 and 28, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What did Jesus say there? He said he would give them rest. He didn't say your troubles are going to evaporate. He didn't say come to me and your troubles will disappear. He said trust in me and I will give you rest in times of trial and affliction. Trust in me and I will give you light and darkness. Trust in me that I will give you the water that you will never thirst again. The broken cisterns of the world could not bring you refreshment, but the well of your salvation will quench your thirst. You know, the psalmist, and again, I think I must quote this every time I preach, but here's the words of someone who'd been through a lot. He says, I've been young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. David didn't say, I've never had any trouble. David didn't say nobody ever tried to kill me. David didn't say everybody loved me. But what he did say was God was with him. And every trial and every affliction as he even fleed for his life from his own son, God was with him. And he was able to look back. And it's a wonderful thing and a little exercise to do. I do it. And what God's brought you through. And you can see his hand. Jesus didn't say it. Or David didn't say, I've, I've never seen the righteous in trials and need and, and affliction or sick. He said, I've never seen them forsaken. You see, the world, I believe, has lost its reason why Jesus came. And that's why Easter's become so unimportant to so many people. They want this romantic picture which maybe churches down through the years have painted for them. Living beside a stream with no troubles, no worries, no illness, no pain, no death. And you know other religions try to tell you that I told you, I think I told you before, but a Buddhist trying to witness to me in time and told me there's like a rainbow over you and all these arrows that come just bounce off this rainbow and you'll always have peace. And I told her I have peace in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though the arrows get through. <laughs> this will come one day when Jesus returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And church. I'm not going to tell lies, especially standing in a pulpit. Until Jesus comes, we will continue to get sick. We will continue to die. But he will be with us and give us peace. People will continue to stand against us. Human nature means that not everybody will agree with you. Not everyone will love you. Not everyone will want to help you. But the difference is that when Jesus is in your life, and by that, I mean controlling your life and you're living a life which is holy and acceptable unto him. Then he will be with you when you go through these troubles. Isaiah 43, it says, But now thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And I love this, especially when we sing it. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. <clears throat> you know, God knows what we're going through. And that's the peace that he gives us when we put our trust in him. 
Empathy is described as a power of identifying oneself mentally with and so fully comprehending a person or object of contemplation. It's a cognitive awareness and understanding of the emotions and feeling of another person. A vicarious effect, effective response to the emotional experiences of another person. In other words, very simply, it's just putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, the Native American proverb says, never criticize a man till you've walked a mile in his, mo in his moccasins. But Jesus, Isaiah 53 and 3, that beautiful chapter, said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And that's the wonderful thing about our God. No other pagan God, no other belief has a God who's went through what we go through. He's lived the way we live. And he can show empathy. He was God manifest in flesh. He was divine, yet he was human. And because of this, he can only show true empathy. He will make your troubles his troubles. He will make your pain his pain. Christ alone can pour the oil of joy for mourning. Christ alone can give the peace that passes all understanding. When you turn to him right now and hail him as your king, in the knowledge that he died for your sins, let that truth embedded itself in your heart and in your mind as we approach Easter. The knowledge that he died for your sins. In the knowledge that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That beautiful Psalm 23, it says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, the beauty of that, I used to always think that the valley of shadow of death was when people died. It was a very dangerous valley where people were murdered and robbed. And a well-known road on the way up to Jerusalem. And the psalmist drew that illustration for us that he's not even afraid to go there because God will be with him. Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Come on church, listen to this this morning. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, staying in Isaiah 41, verse 13. For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand and say to you, fear not, I will help you. I always have that picture in my mind of my dad holding my hand and taking me across the road. I didn't have to look right or left because I knew my dad had my hand and I knew I would get to the other side. And God is holding your right hand. In other words, God is with you. Right hand means presence, means fellowship. God is with you. Fear not, I have redeemed thee. I have called you by my name. You are mine. You belong to God this morning. Amen. Isn't that wonderful to know? You belong to God this morning. He paid the price for your sins. He redeemed you. He salvaged you from a sea of sin and you belong to God and he will not forsake or leave you. Another beautiful verse, Joel 2, 21. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done marvelous things. Fear not, church. The people in San, uh, Palm Sunday back then had different expectations of what Jesus 
would do in their lives. And what is your expectation this morning? You know, do you really think that he's going to take away everything that upsets and annoys you? I'm glad he doesn't do that because the church would be emptied. He's <laughs> going to take us away. What is your expectation? Do you think he will change your life with this magic wand, as it were? You know, the thing to hold in your heart about Easter is that Jesus came to save you from your sins. He came to make you a disciple. He came to make you a child of God. A servant of his that when he returns, you will receive a crown of glory. You will receive eternal life. To be standing in front of him robed in white, that means we are innocent. That means our sins have been taken away. Church, I believe that he deserves all that glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And for me, this is the most important time of year. Christmas is important, certainly. The wonder of Almighty God being born in a natural way, not conceived in a natural way, born in a natural way, living the life that he lived. But you know, the greatest event for me is when he hung on that cross, when he suffered what he suffered, when he felt them lashes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. And probably the greatest three words any man has ever spoken, it is finished. Amen? Didn't say I am finished, it is finished. Church this morning, would you please smile? Your sins are forgiven. It's finished. They no longer have a hold on you. Amen. Come on, let's, we'll leave it there. Let's stand and let's worship him.